It is Locked on Jazz for the 19th of September. An Ask LOJ edition that starts off talking about the coaching staff and what Jeff Hornacek's role. What prospect is the most intriguing as the season rolls around the corner? What about Donovan's comments and what are the Lakers going to do? It's all coming up on today's edition of Locked on Jazz. You are Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider. This is Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, giving you insight, expertise, geeky numbers, and hopefully making it way better to be a jazz fan each and every day. Thanks so much for making Locked on Jazz your first listen of the day. We are free and available on all podcast platforms and available on YouTube. Comment of the day, I'll get to my answer, but for you, the question of the day, what prospect are you, player, new player, are you most excited to watch this season? That's in the YouTube comment section. Please let me know your thoughts on that as well. All right, this is an Ask LOJ edition, which I generally love, which means your comments, your questions. It's the things that I always try to be on the pulse of what you want, but I'd have to say this is the one where I know I'm on the pulse because I get a bunch of questions. A lot of them are the same, and I say, all right, we're ready to go. This is what you guys want. So uh, I'm really excited to it. Let's get right to it. The big news of the day yesterday was the coaching staff, Um, and so let's get right to your questions in regards to the coaching staff, which is where we'll lead off our Ask LOJ show Um, And let's start with Will Hardy. Um, Does Will Hardy retaining Quinn Snyder's assistant pool by large mean that they are an attractive, solid group of assistants or that he doesn't necessarily have his own pool of guys to bring in with him being so young? Hope that makes sense. That is from Yak Jake Hatch, the host of Locked On Cougars. Make sure you grab Locked On Cougars. Jake's also doing postcasts after each game, uh, BYU game, as he did last week in the incredible win over Baylor. At 2.30 in the morning, and then had great audience for that, so make sure Locked on Cougars, maybe, is your second listen. So, this is a really good question. So, the Jazz announced the coaching staff yesterday, and they announced that Lamar Skeeter, Brian Bailey, and Alex Jensen from the previous staff were all returning to the Utah Jazz, along with some other members, some of which are super exciting. Um, as I've said, Jason Terry, through this whole process, was one that really uh, jumped out to me as uh, just kind of a neat story, 19 years in the league and now kind of willing to fight the fight to become an NBA head coach rather than just feeling as though he's he deserves it, um, which I think is really, really impressive. Um, then some new guys, Evan Brads uh, and Sean Sheldon, join the staff as well. For those who don't know Jason Terry, just in case, Jason was a 19-year pro. He then went to be an assistant coach with the University of Arizona and then was a G League head coach last year, applied for the job. As interviewed for the job as a G League, as an NBA head coach with the Jazz, he'll be in a, He's making all the efforts. Um, another returner is Irv Roland, who used to be the kind of personal workout coach for um, James Harden, but that minimizes him a little bit. He's coached a lot in the NBA actually since 2004 when he started with the Celtics. Um, he worked intently with Donovan over the last year and is with still with the Jazz this year. And then uh, some of the new guys on the coaching staff, a guy by the name of Evan Brad, who I met briefly, I believe. He's the player enhancement coach for the Celtics last year and was with the G League main Red Claws. Um, 
as and a video analyst. So he joins the Jazz, leaving from the Celtics, and then Sean Sheldon comes from the Spurs. Uh, previously spending five seasons with the Spurs, including video coordinator, assistant video coordinator, quality assurance assistant. Um, he's Michigan State kit. Uh, Grad assistant at one point in time under Tom Izzo, and he went to William and Mary, so he must be a smarty. Um, and then two guys that you probably don't know, but who are really, really talented, Chris Jones and Sanjay Lumpkin, who are both were with the Jazz last year in their, um, what was called the DAV program, stay with the team. Uh, both of them played college ball and interesting. And then the interesting one is Jeff Hornacek um, returning as a consultant. So the question that was asked, I have not forgotten, um, and that is, uh, is that you, or the question that was asked by Yach is that, you know, why did he retain the staff? So I think there's two parts to it. I think, and I think you probably touched on both. One is Alex Jensen, Brian Bailey, Lamar Skeeter under contract and are really good, right? They're just, they're really good. Um, Lamar Skeeter and Alex Jensen both interviewed for the job. And Brian Bailey to me is one of the rising upcoming stars when someone figures it out in this league. He's, he's a... He's an impressive coach. I love his path. He, he went to Bucknell, so he's another smarty. Um, and he went on to go play in Europe, had a lengthy career, and then kind of out of nowhere, too. Like, just kind of the uns- actually, the story is that they went to go visit um, another prospect in, uh, at Bucknell, and then he was impressive and ended up getting a European contract and then ended up spending, like, I think, I mean, long enough to get married and have two kids in Europe. And built himself an entire career there. Came back, built a basketball academy, and then started as an assistant coach for the G League with the Salt Lake Stars. And has just impressively worked his way up. He's done some really great job while being the summer league head coach. So I think you just have really, really talented guys who you know in the building. And Will Hardy had to trust. I do think there is probably some aspect that Will's young and a lot and and a lot of his colleagues are the same as him. And so you probably don't want to. Um, be necessarily hiring a bunch of guys that are exactly 34 years old and like him. That's, that's the group he's come up with. So I'm sure there's some of that. Um, the other question that I think is on everyone's mind in regards to the coaching staff is what does Jeff Hornacek bring to the table? So I don't really know how they're going to use Jeff, but I do think um, that, I mean, Jeff has been a head coach multiple times. He was in Houston last year in the rebuilding process and probably has learned some pieces of that. He was with a young team in Houston and built it up. Um, and so he's just got a lot of experience. Plus he's obviously, he's a, you know, he, he is a very good teacher, um, as well. And so it's just a way to keep, I think, you know, it's just an older voice and another person that, um, that will can tap into if he needs to. And obviously who's also very loyal to the organization. So I think that's probably a pretty, pretty good one, um, to have going on for you. All right, let's continue. Ask LOJ. It is Locked on Jazz, your team every day. Thanks so much, you guys, for uh, tuning in and being a part of the program. Uh, All right. This one comes in from Aggie Fan Dan. Can they make a crumble cookies flavored built bar? I buy that. All right, well, now you've walked us into the middle. Well, first of all, the cookie dough puff is just outstanding, but this is funny. I like it. Um, you've now walked us into the middle of the of the cookie war. I, I'm going to have to put up the poll question today. It's going to have to be a cookie war question. Like, are you a sus guy? Are you a ruby snap guy? I'm a ruby snap guy. I love the ruby snap, the ginger ruby snap. And I'm actually a chocolate guy usually. And I like the Okay, I'm a ruby snap guy. Crumble, chip. What are the other ones? What are all the other, what are the other cookie companies out there? Um, Goodly. All right, I'm throwing it up. We're going to get a poll question going. 
and see what people have to say on that. Very, very serious question. All right, we keep rolling. From Spencer, how cool is it that Rudy Gobert is the only NBA All-Star in the quarterfinals of Eurobasket? Um, it's awesome, and I hope Rudy wins it because I know how incredibly important this is. And I was with Igor the whole time when Igor won um, and how important it was for Igor when, when he won that I think you know I have an understanding of, of that. So I certainly hope that Rudy um, can get this and, and get the accolades that he deserves for that. Most intriguing prospect on the Jazz roster with the most upside. So this is similar to the question that I asked you guys today on the comment section of YouTube of like, what prospect are you most excited about? So, um, so that's a really interesting question. Like I might go with Lowry Markkinen here. There's something interesting to Lowry Markkinen and Colin Sexton in their careers. And I, this is kind of brutal on my part, but like, I wonder if I took a poll across the NBA, of the worst two NBA coaches in the last 10 years. This is, this is not great on me. Here we go. Someone's going to be upset when I say this. So if I took a poll question of the top of the two worst coaches, you know, the worst, give me the five worst coaches in the NBA over the last 10 years, I'm pretty certain that the two, two names that would come up, and you can decide whether it's right or wrong, would be... John Beeline, the great, great, great college coach from the University of Michigan who took over the Cavaliers and just didn't get the NBA and they went 14 and 40 and were just a total mess. And that was Colin Sexton's second year. Colin's first year was Tyrone Lue for six games then switched over to Larry Drew. So in in Colin Sexton's first four, two years, he has four head coaches. He then has one year with with J.B. Bickerstaff, in which he averages 24 points. He shoots 52% effective field goal percentage, which is super good. He shoots 51% on twos, 37% on threes, 82% from the free throw line. Like, he's really good. And then last year, he gets hurt. So, I'm pretty intrigued by Colin Sexton in the sense that I just don't know that he's been given a platform by which to have success. If I asked that same question of who were the worst coaches in the last 10 years, I do think that Jim Boylan and possibly, honestly, and another great college coach, Fred Hoiberg. Like, Fred Hoiberg really struggled in his NBA coaching. He's been good at Nebraska. He's a wonderful guy. He was great at Iowa State. Like, it fell apart at Chicago. I don't think Fred Hoiberg would go into that group. He was 500 for two years, and then it, like, just fell off the map and... I think they, you know, lost something like, I think it was like 75 of the last 100 games he coached. They lost. That's probably a little bit. And, and things really fell apart in Chicago. He didn't have, you know, in fairness to him, he didn't have much of a roster. So I think that's probably, you know, a little unfair. They traded Jimmy Butler. And so Fred Hoiberg gets fired 23. In the first year, Fred Hoiberg's there isn't working. They're falling apart. In the second year of Larry Markkinen's career, Fred Hoiberg gets um, fired 25 games into the season and Jim Boylan replaces him. Oh, there's no question to me Jim Boylan would make this list. And so Lowry Markkinen's next two years are with Jim Boylan. And then he gets Billy Donovan, who's a pretty good coach. And 
he has a really good year. He averages 14 points. He shoots 48% from the field. He shoots 41% from three. He shoots 58% on twos. His effective field goal percentage was 59. Like, league average is like 51.7. Like, he has a great, great year in 2021, and then he goes to Cleveland. And he, I thought, had another really good year. So the two years that Lowry Markinen has been coached well, he's really good. So Lowry Markinen might be my answer, and Colin Sexton might be my other, which is probably, you know, Abaji probably is who you're looking for or or something like that. Um, but those two, I want to see when they're coached. And I think we've seen two years, and I think we saw a year of Colin Sexton being coached by J.B. Biggerstaff, who's really good. I think we've seen two years of Lowry Markinen being coached for by Billy Donovan and by J.B. Bickerstaff, and he was really good. So that's a little bit intriguing to me on that sense. Uh, today's show is a Locked on Jazz. We'll continue to get more comments. I want to know who your most intriguing prospect is. Today's edition of Locked on Jazz is brought to you by Murdoch Hyundai, located at 4646 South State Street, also located in Logan and in Linden. The Murdoch family has been in Utah for over 80 years bringing you great quality customer service the whole time, making sure you feel as though you're a part of the, that they're a part of the community and you are as well. And they have great product over at the Hyundais. Do the research yourself. I can tell you, you won't be surprised. I did the research, ran the data, looked at it all. And what I found was the car that had the best safety ratings, that got me the best bells, most bells and whistles, got me those unique features I could possibly get, and at the same time uh, was a reasonable price. That's why we bought a Santa Fe for both of our new drivers and why we just recently bought the Ionic when we wanted to move to more electric cars in our family and try to uh, help our carbon footprint and be good environmentally and do what we're supposed to do. Uh, that's all why we did all those things at Murdoch Hyundai. If you'd like to go, it's either in Linden, Logan, or in Salt Lake at 4646 South State Street. Please email me first so that we can take care of you and give you the VIP experience. Email me at dlock09 at gmail.com. Today's show is also brought to you by my good friends over at Intercap Lending. So, so much enjoy having them. It was over at the Gail Miller Leadership uh, Golf Event Monday at uh, Hidden Valley. And what did I see but one Steve Carter came by, uh, showed up unexpectedly on one of the holes, the great, uh, our own personal loan officer, one of the great customer service guys out there. And I sent someone to Steve just yesterday. If this, as the market changes here, they actually, I was talking to Steve, like they actually need you more than ever right now. Uh, how are we going to get this done? The interest rates are raising, but I still got to buy a house. I still got to do things. How do I get it done? Steve Carter's your guy. 385 uh, The by the way, you do not have to be in the state of Utah. You can be wherever they might be. Intercap lending spreads, but Steve and Steve can help you. So give Steve Carter a call at 385-885-28. Intercap lending, NMLS number 190465. For more information, visit intercaplending.com. And I can just tell you, there's nobody I'm more confident in sending you to than Steve Carter and what he does uh, and the incredible work he does over at Intercop. So feel free to jump aboard and email me as well on that one at dlock09 at gmail.com. NFL fans, Lockdown's got a ton of great programs for you uh, coming up. We've got uh, Lockdown NFL on YouTube. We have the um, Game to Game, which is a run-through of all the previews from the local experts. We also have a fabulous program um, for you that is... uh, set up, which is the five TV games, most uh, viewed TV games of the week, and the predictions that go with it. So make sure you go grab that one. That's called our Key Predictions of the Week. It's along with Bet Online 
Um.net. So make sure you grab all of those programmings at Locked on NFL. All right. It is continue time with your great questions. You guys are so good at this. Um, let's go to our next one, which comes in and is flashing on the screen. Do the Jazz currently have a major piece on the roster that could use for major building blocks of the future championship level? So I love this. This is kind of what everybody's asking. This is a great question. Um, my quick answer on this is maybe not. And I have a bigger picture answer that I would say. So we just talked about marketing and we just talked about um, Sexton. And I think those two guys probably are the ones that would fit into this mold. They would be the ones who possibly could be major pieces, probably not superstar pieces, like, like, you know, massive. And I think one of the things that's going to be super important for us as a fan base, at least in my opinion, moving forward is allowing these guys to be what they are. So, you know, we're going to desperately want Abaji to be a star. We're desperately going to want Walker Kessler to th- be this. We're going to desperately want uh, Foncecchio to be something. We're going to desperately want Malik Beasley to be something. We're going to want Jared Vant. Like, I think the key, you're trying to find pieces of a puzzle over a long period of time. I think actually the key is to allow them to, to be them and to not ask Walker Kessler. Like the goal to me with Walker Kessler... He's a drop big in a league that's moving somewhat away from drop bigs, but not entirely. It's still incredibly valuable. Protecting the rim is the single most important thing to do defensively still. So like Walker Kessler, can he become a 24-minute-a-night viable drop big? That's kind of, I, I would, that would be a massive win, um, I would think, if that's it. I think the league is getting enough minutes of the night where you're going to have four, six foot ten and six foot eleven playmakers. Seems like about half the league will have that by the end of next year. If, you know, Abaji has been improving every single year, as Danny said on yesterday's program, so he's interesting. But, like, I watched some film of him. I wasn't actually overwhelmed by him defensively. I think he's got the athleticism to do it. So can he become a viable wing defender? Can he, can he, make his teammates better and can he hit shots like and and what is that a rotation viable rotate like what's the standard we're setting for him like could he be a complimentary starter sure that seems like that's a fair expectation for a 14th pick can Fontecchio learn the speed of the NBA game and evolve and like if your comp on that is like the perfect scenario is Joe Ingles or Royce O'Neal the guys who came from Europe who then weren't drafted and, and then were able to evolve like it took them a little time like can we let him make that evolution in the process um so with each like jared vanderbilt is an unbelievable energy player 30 minute a night guy who just impacted games and rebounded fabulously for minnesota last year and defended and switched one through five defensively and did all these fabulous like let's just let him do that like let's not suddenly ever because we're maybe have some gaps on russell and we're so desperate for that piece not push these guys beyond what's a reasonable thing to ask out of them. That would be that would be my kind of one thing on all of this is trying to make sure that we don't get too carried away and we f- don't and we forget to let each of these guys be who they are, right? So you can be, you know, Taylor Horton Tucker is a super long athletic defensive player, could be a really good defensive player, has some ball handling skills, spin, you know, came to the league early and young. Um, still has some development to do. Can he learn how to shoot better, obviously, is the number one thing. But 
okay, that's the, that's like, if he learns how to do that, that's pretty great. But if he does it, like, so how does he become a, like, let's let him become a viable player without a great shot. Like, how does he figure that out? It's probably more ball handling. It's having gravity with the ball. It's being able to defend. It's being able to wreak havoc defensively to be able to create some open court opportunities. It's really running, you know? And I, so I think there's like a lane, we're, we're going to take each of these players and they have their lane, and we're going to want to expand it. And I think the key is to allow them to have success in their lane and accept it um, and be really positive in that regard um, with these guys. It might be even daily Devar-esque time. Um, this is a really interesting question, and I appreciate it. It's a long answer. And I'm going to surprise you, I think. Does tanking ruin culture or does missing on top picks prolong losing? Despite noted exceptions, the odds of getting a star drops precipitously with each successive pick till nine. Even assuming remaining vets get moved, should the Jazz be more aggressively taking? So there's a lot of questions in here by Kurt. Um, it's a really, like, he actually, this is like one of the most, if we want to talk efficiency of tweets, this is like one of the most efficient tweets I've ever seen. Because he hits, so does tanking ruin culture is one question. Or missing top picks, prolong losing. And then you've got to be in the top nine, so should we be more aggressively like, so let's start with the first one, is this tanking ruin culture? Because I think that'll be a rising question over time here. And my quick answer is, it can, if this is done correctly. I think the process had some problems. That's why Sam Hinkie lost his job. I think we be interesting to see what the Rockets do. They've had a lot of problems with Christian Wood. Wasn't quite the character that they wanted, and so they did trade him and some things like that. But I also think, like, if you're playing hard and playing right and doing it the right way, when you suddenly get that transcendent talent that allows you to vault up the standings, you know, the culture changes. Cleveland didn't have some like fabulous culture. I, I sometimes think culture is a little bit of a misnomer because really what it is is talent. So Cleveland had this wonderful culture, right? No, they had a terrible culture. And then LeBron, they drafted LeBron and they went bananas. And then LeBron left and then they started losing again. And then LeBron came back and they won again. Like, was their culture great? Milwaukee wasn't very good. Jason Kidd was the head coach. They were fiddling around. Giannis developed. Like, did their culture change or did Giannis just get great? Like, Dallas has had kind of a funky, frankly, it's had a bad culture, right? Like, Mark Cuban had all sorts of major problems with sexual harassment issues inside their front office. They, Cuban was too involved. They did this. They did that. They kind of slumped in. They didn't get out of the first round. They got Luka in a draft pick. Like, did their culture change? Yeah, because of Luka. Like, Luca has a joyousness to him. We saw it off their bench and Boban. And that, like, their culture is driven by the players and the talent of the players much more than by as much as organizations want to believe it. You can have a brilliant cultural organization. You bring in bad players and bad people and you're, like, it doesn't, it's not going to hold. So this idea that, like, culture, and I think there is something to, like, is Will Hardy building a culture? Sure, and I'm a big believer in Daniel Coyle's book, Culture Club, which is all about that. And, and and it's important that Hardy does the best he can in that regard. And I think Culture Club has all sorts of neat little pieces in it than how you build a culture. I use it all the time with Locked On. But in the case of the NBA, where you're keeping score and you're, and you're winning and losing, that culture is really going to be driven by your best players. And frankly, you know, like I don't think Rudy and Donovan were ready for that. They were both too young. And they couldn't get out of their own way, frankly. Um, and some of the retrospective history from each of them is going to be interesting to listen to. But they couldn't get out of their own way with their own weaknesses on some of this stuff over the last few years. And they were just too young. It's not a criticism. It's just they were, they'll were they be better when they're 30, um, as we all are. 
And so I think that that culture still, you can build all these pieces of the culture, but if one player, your best players, like Jan, Mike Budenholzer is a brilliant coach. Brilliant coach. Giannis plays harder than any player in the entire NBA. That's their culture. But it's Giannis. That's it. It might be because he and his brothers taped skateboards to the bottom of a refrigerator through the ghetto of the cobblestone and dirt and brick streets of Greece and pushed a refrigerator for six miles because it was the only possession his family owned and they got evicted from their house and had to go to a new place. And so he still plays with that kind of energy and vigor every single possession. Like, that's their culture. Did Mike Budenholzer institute that? He's a part of it. It's important. He could ruin it, I guess, as a head coach. But it's Giannis. So does tanking ruin culture? No. What builds culture is unbelievable talent that is doing it correctly. That's, that's what I think you have to look at and understand. Uh, today's show is brought to you by Built Bar. The new berry strong granola bars are out. White chocolate, blueberry, white chocolate, berry. Also, the granola duo box, the chocolate peanut butter, the chocolate coconut, and then, of course, the cookie dough chunk box. By the way, have you voted on our Cookie Wars poll question on YouTube yet? Uh, Also, strawberry bars are out. 140 calories, 17 grams of protein, 5 grams of sugar. It's all that good at Built Bar. The protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. It's It's like just a part of my daily routine. Um, and could not uh, enjoy it more and could not be more impressed by what they've built over there. The promo code we have for you is LOCKED15. That's LOCKED15. Locked, excuse me, locked on 15 It's the only way you can get 15% off. That's LOCKED15. On locked on 15 is your um, is your promo code locked on 15. I want to make sure I can screw that up, which I of course did. So, uh, it is all at built bar or at built.com. All right. The jazz, by the way, open preseason on Sunday, the second, do you realize how close that is? Do you realize that tomorrow is one is what do we start? The 19th. We're like one month away. I'm heading Monday by the way, shows next week. Monday, I'm heading to um, New York. I'll try to get a show out Monday, and I'm heading to New York for broadcast meetings. So it could be fun. Just I might have, we'll see. Might have some audio only. Hard to do video. So maybe we'll all Zoom from um, our hotel rooms and do a show. Um, but yeah, out with all the broadcast meetings. All right, continuing. Uh, great questions so far. Nice job on Kurt. I don't know if I answered all of those. Uh, Simone Fontiacchio has killed it. In the Eurobasket, looks like he has a chance to be a real rotation-level player in the NBA. Have you heard anything from him from the staff? I have not heard anything from him from the staff. Um, but I And I do think he's played great. You know, Melly's on that roster, is playing really well as also. And he struggled to be an NBA uh, rotation player. You know, I think the best way to think about Eurobasket and NBA players is if, they domi- if they're dominant and clearly the great player, they have a chance. But it, it doesn't mean they're going to be an NBA rotation player. If they don't dominate in EuroLeague, it's problematic. right? If, if you go out to EuroLeague and you're not Eurobasket and you're not dominant in EuroBasket, not EuroLeague, EuroBasket, I, I, think it's, I think it's disconcerting. So the fact that Foncecchio has been that good is great. It means he's got a chance. Had he not been dominant, I think I would take it the other way. So I look at it a little bit from a negative perspective rather than a positive perspective. 
Uh, aside from roster turnover, how's the transition from the Miller ownership to Ryan Smith's ownership impacted you as a play-by-play announcer? Oh, that's super interesting. I don't know that. I wonder if anyone really cares. But um, uh, Alex, I didn't mean that. That was more of like self-deprecating on my end. Um, so the Miller ownership was great in that, um, well, I was just so close with Larry and Gail's superhero. Um, this ownership group, my personal leadership has been great. The people around me um, have, since the Ryan Smith takeover, Travis Henderson's done a lot of work with us in broadcasting. It's the first time I've ever had a, bro- a boss who's actually broadcast a game. Or, and he does it from the TV truck, but he gets it. He, like, I feel comfortable like when I talk to him as a play-by-play announcer that he gets it. So that's been a wonderfully unique circumstance to have a direct boss who uh, actually understands play, who's actually understands what the announcer's going through. I've never had that before in my life, so that's been really great. Um, I've really enjoyed my time with Ryan. He's so bright and so quick, and just following and listening and trying to stay on board has been uh, really, really fascinating. Um, so I'm really positive on both ends. I uh, really admire what how much our organization has evolved. Um, there's a diversity in our organization that never existed before. There's a diversity of faces. There's a diversity of ideas. There's a diversity of opinion. Um, there's a diversity of ideas. Um, so it's not, I'm not, I'm talking about it from all aspects. Um, but I would single out that the concerted effort to change the way our room looks has been fabulous and important. Um, so I, I've been very impressed and, uh, have enjoyed it, but I also was, you know, the Millers were the Millers. Um, and you know, enjoyed the time actually with Greg, uh, as well. So I've, I've had great support. I always say to my bosses, I only ask for one thing. I want a chance to be great every single night and nothing that's prohibiting me from being great. And I think this will be like my 13th year with the jazz. And I would say, uh, other than one year, that was the case. I had one funky year in which there was a bunch of crap going on and I wasn't, I'm just being totally transparent here. I didn't feel I could be great. I feel like, felt like people were prohibiting that. Um, but other than that, um, I've had that opportunity to be great almost every single night I've ever been with this organization, and that is, um, that's really all I could ever ask for, and I certainly have it right now. Like, if I suck, if you listen to me and I suck, it's on me. Um, and that's all I ask. So uh, it's been great. Totally dream job. Dream job when I was five, dream job when I was 52. So it's been pretty great. Uh, do you believe... Let's, sorry, I was pushed the wrong button. Do you believe Donovan really asked management not to trade Rudy and truly wanted to run it back with some tweaks like he mentioned to Woj? Sounds like management truly didn't believe in Rudy and Don. Hard to imagine them getting in a better position than those two. So, this is an interesting question. Like, I believe Donovan in anything he says because I have no track record of Donovan lying and Donovan is a good kid. And so, it would be hard for me to disagree with Donovan. Um... The question to me really is if you've been listening to the show for a long time, what would those tweaks be? I think what we discovered is that those tweaks might, they probably, they tried to run around the league and there weren't a lot of tweaks. Um, I would also say that that's a, like after as poor a year as they had last year with as many issues as they had and just lack of zest and lack of spirit as Quinn called it and lack of belief as Danny Ainge called it and frankly Rudy did too during the season and Donovan did too. Like, it's interesting that Donovan and Jordan Clarkson have, like, fought back on what Danny said yesterday when basically if you go back through their past press conferences, I thought they said the same thing. And, frankly, their inability to hold a lead at a really dramatic level during the season, I think, expressed maybe spoke for itself more than anything else. 
Um, so it's interesting to me that they fought back on those. Again, it's pride, but it's there's a lot of data and moments out there and comments they made themselves that seem to be the same thing as what Danny said. So anyway, um, my point on that would be, yeah, I, I believe Donovan said that. I'm not surprised management didn't listen. Like... I would say your actions on the court are probably more important than the words you're telling me after a season in which you just went through what you went through. If like you really wanted it back, like let's go. Um, so, you know, like it's interesting. The last hashtag, UG, I, I, I felt the same thing. I've also started to prep for last season and gone back through some of my numbers and the lost leads and Donovan's inability to finish in the clutch and some of this and the record versus 500 teams versus non 500 teams. Some of those data points were, I, I must have suppressed them in my head when it was going on a little bit because you didn't want to really look at what they said. But some of those were pretty daunting to actually look at um, in, in that manner. So there's a few things in there that make me, you know, I get, I, I, I'm getting more understanding of why we are where we are. How's that? Do you think the team wouldn't have gotten into rebuild mode and Quinn decided to stay? No, I think the, I mean, the, both these questions, I think, hey, no matter what Donovan, what Quinn wants, I think Danny is going to run this organization and Justin and Ryan as they want to run it. I think that's, and they're going to do the right thing regardless of that. That's their job. So I think a lot of that kind of goes the other way um, on these things. Um, quickly, there's two really good questions. This is a long show or a long answer, but just quickly, how do you recommend the fan base adjust to this rebuilding phase? that we still enjoy out of the season. My quick thing is that you got to change your mindset from a nine month season to a 48 month journey. And you're watching little things that are going to happen over 48. And I'm actually kind of juiced for that. I kind of feel like I have a, an understanding of that now. And I'm pretty excited to watch that 48 month journey. Um, must LA really attach a first round pick to have a team take Russ? Uh, he has one year left. So why would you rather wave him and give up a first to move him, meaning to get the first, Lakers first you package need to warrant it. So the issue for the Lakers is if they waive Russ, he's still in their books and then he becomes a free agent 